to Building Stronger Creatives, a fitness podcast for musicians, artists, nerds, and former misfits. I'm a former out-of-shape professional musician turned personal trainer and nutrition coach to hundreds of clients, and I'll give you no-nonsense information about what it really takes to get and stay fit within the context of a creative life. Here, you'll find practical advice on strength and endurance training, sane and simple nutrition, habit building, and time management tools to help you make lifestyle changes that actually stick. Most fitness coaches have no clue what it really means to be a creative, whether you're a professional or a passionate hobbyist. I'm different. I've been where you are, and I share your values. Let me show you how you can use the gym to build a kick-ass creative life. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Building Stronger Creatives. I'm your host, Caroline Juster, and today I have a special guest on the podcast. Callan Milani is a good friend of mine. He's also a former client of mine, and I'm sure we're going to talk quite a lot about his experience working with me. Callan and I went to Northwestern together. He was doing his master's at some point. I don't remember exactly when, when I was doing my undergrad, but he was always one of the nicest, like funniest guys in the studio, just incredibly nice, super helpful, um, super great to be around, always positive. I mean, he might share some of the struggles and things that he's gone through in his personal life, but like just to be around him was always such a joy. And so many years later when we uh, connected in a coaching environment, it was really fun for me to be able to help him with my expertise. And I'm really excited for him to share some of his story and his perspective with you today. So, Callan, why don't you tell everybody a little bit more about who you are and then what you do professionally or otherwise? Awesome. Hi, everyone. My name is Callan Milani. Um, I'm a freelance musician in Los Angeles. So I do recording work for TV shows, film and video games. I do a bunch of live entertainment stuff. So I've uh, done live video recordings with like Beyonce or doing like shows for like um, a live experience for Legends of Zelda. I'm also a um, content creator and showrunner at Boosh Studios, and I create um, entertaining animated series for uh, kids around 8 to 10 that are pretty much about characters with the unheard characters learning to express themselves through music. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So when you do the show stuff, you don't just write the music. You've also done like the artistic, like the literal drawing of the show, creating the whole thing. Like you're involved in pretty much every aspect of the show, right? Yeah. So I don't really, I don't compose any of the music only because like it's been interesting kind of pairing with a bunch of different organizations, mm -hmm. um, only in regards to the fact that like there's really not a lot of time to bring in new music to established organizations like an orchestra. So it's actually kind of great because you can use kind of tried and true music like Bach, Beethoven, and Mozart and actually paint them in a nice new light by giving them an actual uh, storyline to go along with. So the newest audiences can like actually engage in a new and modern way with something that is really beautiful and, uh, and you can use it to understand the world around you through sounds and music. Yeah, that's cool. So it's like classics, but not necessarily the same ones. Even every time you run the show, it's different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. so it's, it's it's fun only in regards to it's very uh, choose your own adventure for the organizations that I work with. It's like, what do you want? What do y'all want to play? And uh, we can kind of build it in that way. It's, it's kind of nice about working with the or being the only person that works with all the content that I make 
is that I can make it very specific for each organization because I know every little nook and cranny to just make it simple for the performer because they don't want to do anything extra, um, especially when bringing on a new, you know, something that's that's new. I want them to perform at their highest level possible um, and not have to think of all the other um, things that are in the mix. As someone who's been a part of that, it's nice to kind of be emotional where you're supposed to be emotional and take out anything that could potentially derail that. Yeah, that makes sense. That's very cool. And I've liked watching the expansion and development of the show in the years that we've been, you know, reconnected and working together. So like I said earlier, Callan worked with me for six months and he did what is my most comprehensive coaching package, which is called Stronger, Fitter, Better. So it essentially combines fitness coaching. So everything you would think of for fitness coaching, a workout program, checking form videos, all that good stuff. But we also have the opportunity to talk a couple of times a month through phone calls. So the people that do this program, they either typically have some type of nutrition goal or they are maybe struggling to like actually make habits stick. That's a big one with musicians, especially people like Callan who are like really busy and have a lot of different things going on. Or they also want to get deeper into maybe some of the more like underlying issues that might be affecting their relationship with food or exercise. So I want Callan, if you don't mind sharing, like where are you at with fitness, with nutrition, with health habits in general before you started working with me, which I guess would have been a couple of years ago at this point. And then the second part of my question is, what inspired you to reach out and begin the coaching process? Totally. Um, I've generally been pretty active. I worked out around like three or four times a week. I did yoga. I did a lot of hiking. Um, I do a lot of Olympic lifting. And then a, a lot of massage um, on top of it, just because in order to play and, and do the work that I do, you need, to, you need that kind of recovery element as well. And then nutrition, I was equally pretty good. I do all my own cooking. I do a lot of meal prep for the week. And actually that's, you know, watching, watching your, your um, online presence on Instagram was why I did join is because I was like, wow, we are very similar. And like, actually my favorite post that you do every year <laughs> is, is either, I think it's like January 1st or maybe it's like the 31st of December where you go through all the books that you read. Oh, sure. <laughs> That's my favorite. I, I, I remember years, I would just take a picture and I was like, oh, I, I don't know this book. I don't know this book. And so that's kind of like, that's the type of relationship I was looking for in a trainer. And, and to say that I was active and like very, you know, conscious about eating and stuff, I don't think it was very healthy where it was coming from because it stemmed from a very radical change I made when I was probably 16 years old when I lost about 100 pounds in weight. I used to weigh like 290 pounds and dropped down to about 190 um, in about a year. And and I think what I was looking for was like a better relationship with myself. And, and I think one thing that I just found so attractive about your program was how conscious you were of of how active you should be and like, and, and that relationship with the food and also that relationship with your brain, because that's what I don't think I got from, from that, that big change that I made when I was, when I was 16 was actually a positive relationship. I think I was constantly just kind of, um, in a different kind of hunger zone, you know, <laughs> 
a hunger to crush. But at a certain point, you got to have some type of maintenance, and so or or just a redefining of that relationship. And so when I saw and and so when I saw you were taking on new clients, I was like, so sign me up. Tis the season. <laughs> you were ready. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of interesting things that you said. So I like that you, so you, you pointed out that you, you were already active, so you weren't new to exercise. And like you said, you had already had a pretty large weight loss transformation and success. And yet it seems like some part of you recognized that either your your actual actions and habits or or like your headspace, your mindset, the way you're talking to yourself, even though like, it might seem healthy on the surface, something about it didn't feel like it was healthy or positive to you. And I wonder if you could elaborate more on that, like if there were any specific examples or things where you're like, oh, I keep doing this thing and like, I don't feel great about that. You know, I don't like the way that makes me feel like, was there anything that was sort of like, oh, you know, I am working out and I am trying to eat well, but like, I know that there's something going on here. It's not really like healthy at a deep level, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Um as I was kind of like expanding what I was doing work-wise that required me to be a little more emotional. I was doing a lot of writing for, for the show and really just trying out a lot of new things. I was, I was coming to realize that I didn't have the emotional bandwidth to move into a direction that I was going for, only in regards to the fact that I realized that like my pie chart was getting, uh, was just getting used up. And, and, and I've never, and it was interesting because I'd never had that kind of, I don't want to call it a limitation, but just that kind of, that, that kind of mindset that I was like, oh, I'm running out of space with which to employ these emotions, which I was, you know, I, I've done a certain amount of therapy as well. I worked with a sports psychologist for, for, for a while and, um, and I've read a lot of books about kind of like my headspace and, but in regards to exercise i was like i am way too emotional about this and not for the right reasons anymore and i think it was i think it was january it was either january or february like i think i looked at your book list and i was like oh okay and i bought a bunch of books and I, <laughs> and I was like this is crazy i was like one of my favorite things about about caroline was just the, was the fact that you had talked about making a service for people that wanted to change their health and you stuck with it and I thought that was just one of the most beautiful things because so many people have these like big ideas and don't actually commit to it. And so I was like, you know, like I want to do something for me. I want to, I, I want to spend some time with someone who's thought about this in a way that's had that I don't have the time for and, and has the experience with a vast range of people so you can, more quickly diagnose and and adjudicate where I'm coming from and to so I don't have to be emotional about it you know I needed that I needed that jurisdiction I needed to gerrymander that that <laughs> that pie for me <laughs> so it was really nice because I was like okay we have a similar story you have expertise that I need so let's go yeah it sounds like you it's almost like when you were ready to take the next step in your professional creative life. So like from not just freelancing, which is obviously, especially in LA and the stuff that you're doing is hard enough, but like actually creating something from scratch and then all of the other work that goes along with that, you were like, oh, I'm spending too much mental, emotional energy on like 
feeling bad about the way I'm eating or worrying about certain things or trying to train in a certain way. And you had the like foresight or I don't know what the right word is, but the you understood that that was like affecting the way you wanted to show up in the world. And I think that's actually, I don't want to say rare. I don't know that everybody would have come to that realization. I think it's like admirable that you recognize like, yeah, I'm working out. Yeah, I've lost all this weight, but like something about the way that I'm approaching this, the way that I'm thinking about this is like inhibiting other areas that I want to expand in my life. And so I have to like do a little bit of work on myself in order to take that next step. So I, I always thought that was really cool. And yeah, I mean, right away when I started working with Cal and he was like, I'm ready to like dive in and talk about um, deeper stuff. He was interested in, as he's mentioned, a lot of the books on psychology and stuff that I read for both for just myself and also for my clients. And I'm actually going to talk about one of them in particular that we really, um, cause I gave Callan some homework and he read uh, all the books that I assigned <laughs> him, which is also kind of rare. Um, but yeah, you were, you approached the whole thing from like a, a kind of like almost like an elevated level, I want to say. Uh, and I, you know, I really enjoyed working with you for that reason. Cause we really did get to d get right to the heart of some of the issues that were standing in your way. So one of the things that you mentioned that we could talk about in this podcast was potentially like your expectations of training, um, your goals, and then like how that compared to the actual process of going through training. So like what were some of your expectations before we started working together? Maybe like, I don't know about me or the coaching process or for yourself. And if you had any specific goals that you came in with as well, if you care to share those first. Yeah, I think you actually kind of helped me define expectations versus goals because I don't think I knew the difference between those two Got it. because that was another area that I was just emotional about so I couldn't even see it I didn't even I like I understand what those words mean and I understand <laughs> that there's a difference between the two of them but like when you're living it when you are like if you feel big emotions about something it doesn't matter if you understand <laughs> it's almost like a, a, a neuroses or a narcissism in regards to the, the language of it all it's especially if you're living it <laughs> so it was really nice to kind of like have someone this kind of goes back to what you were just talking about you help dangle a carrot in front of my face as opposed to me just thinking I knew what these things meant mm -hmm. and and so expectation wise I stopped expecting to have results and I started to show up for my goals I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> that was such a big shift. It was, it was, it was actually like a, like an emotional breakthrough. I feel like every week I talk to you, like we have, it's like, <laughs> I'm going, I, like I was going through something and, and it was really nice to like that. I think that that happened within the first maybe month or so. I was like, why? And, and so I was just pulling back. I was, like this 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 emotional amoeba going towards these expectations and like you can't have you can't be emotional about this this is not an expectation you can't expect to have a six-pack because you do some squats you know <laughs> you know like <laughs> that's that that was my rationality with the whole thing and then and 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 i didn't and i didn't want a six-pack i know i have a little bit of vanity just because i'm living around everybody i mean people. people will pretend like they don't but i think everybody does so yeah exactly yeah. i just I, I just wanted to not like puke when i looked at myself in the mirror <laughs> so I, was brushing the teeth. <laughs> I just wanted that level of a moral victory um, <laughs> um and so it was really great because i was like these expectations are just emotions that will never be fulfilled and so i need to like stop that 
It's just like you got your hand caught in the cookie jar, you know? And it's just like, nah, don't do it. So as soon as I was able to retract that, I was able to respect the goals where you just show up. And you don't, and you know, what I also found out that I found so interesting with our time together was just like, you don't have to be happy or mad about working out. You can just be neutral. <laughs> neutral is equally as positive as having like, like, oh, I hit a new PR or something like that, you know? So it was really nice to kind of have even nothing or, or just, you know, or just being there equally being a step in the right direction. And that was, once again, that carrot, you just helped me dangle in front of my face, you know, from just kind of separating the expectations from the goals. Yeah. I want to elaborate or expand on two things that you said that I really liked. So it sounds like what you're talking about is like, I don't want to say like a sense of entitlement, but like sometimes that's how it is with people. We think like, oh, I did this thing a few times. Like, why don't I have, you know, a certain result? And a lot of times those results are kind of like outside of our control. Uh, for example, the way that our body looks or the exact number of pounds that we lose or even like the exact number of pounds that we can lift at the gym. So all we really have control over is our, our daily actions and how we show up for ourselves. So it sounds like you were able to recognize that. Stop putting so much pressure on yourself to achieve a certain result in a certain amount of time and instead shifted your focus into those actions, which ultimately is what gets you results, ironically. Um, is that fair to say? Oh, totally. Yeah. Totally. And I think a lot of people just get really hung up on the idea of like where they should be and they have a hard time then continuing to show up. And that actually does take me to the second thing I was going to say, which I just remembered, which is the ability to like disconnect some of the emotion from taking those actions. So you specifically mentioned working out. Uh, sort of a thing, I literally said this to somebody earlier today, <laughs> is a thing that gets thrown a lot uh, around a lot in fitness is this idea that like, 10% of the time when you work out, you're going to feel like a million bucks. You're in a set PRs. You feel like you're unstoppable. 10% of the time you feel like absolute shit. You know, you feel like I don't want to be here. I can't do anything. I'll never be strong again. Like whatever. And then 80% of the time is more neutral. It's somewhere in the middle. So like you don't necessarily feel, feel particularly great or particularly bad. And like if that does in fact make up 80% of training, like we have to be able to show up to train, to exercise when we are not feeling particularly great, like, and the ability to just execute it and not necessarily feel some type of strong way about it is what's going to help you build a real consistent habit versus needing to feel really excited about training or like needing it to be really fun all the time or needing to even like achieve a certain result in the workout, like hitting a certain number of weights. Like if you're just like, you know what, all I have to do is just do this workout and do my best or, or just check the box that actually paradoxically makes it more fun over the long term because you actually show up more and you do get better results. But yeah, it's like what you said earlier, you wanted to free up more mental, emotional space for other things. So you can't afford, like you said, with your pie chart analogy to be giving all your emotional energy to like psyching yourself up to work out or needing to feel a certain way. So it's almost like a, a maturity where you realize like, I need to do this thing so that I feel good. <laughs> so that my body works correctly to do my job, which is actually physically demanding. Um, and I can't let myself get wor so worked up about it. It's like those two changes are huge for people that are trying to be become more consistent and just be nicer to themselves and have more fun in the process too. Yeah, there was a, there was a total like, I, I feel like there was an expiration date from like when I lost all my weight, you know, like that, that I couldn't get over 
I think, and I think it was only because like I had like a really, you know, Jack dude, uh, who, who was, who ended up becoming a really good friend of mine that could not understand like what I was like going through, especially at like, you know, 15, 16, where sure. you brought like, life is already hard at that age. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and especially for someone who was kind of quiet, like I was very quiet to that point. It's hard for me I, to believe, but I'll take your word I, for it. <laughs> I know. It was crazy. There was, there was a, there was a, I didn't talk till I was about 15, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe 15, 16. And there was a snap that was like, I was like, I, I, I remember when this happened, I was talking to one of my sister's friends and I was, I, I never, I didn't really swear a lot. I said like, I was like, fuck this shit. I'm not going to be bad anymore. And, and so then I went through this whole, like, seismic shift where I took like this quiet side of myself and and that I think only you know was fat because he wanted to be seen I was the youngest child and so like you, you got noisy people around you you're definitely not going to be heard so how about we be seen <laughs> which is great because I enjoyed eating a lot of salami I'll tell you what <laughs> I ate a lot of it, and it I like how so salami is the food that you, that you <laughs> Oh, God, Italian so family. I agree with you. I, I absolutely agree with you. <laughs> but but from that seismic shift where then I was like, okay, I'm going to be loud and not be kind of quiet and like wanting to be seen, like started this like winning streak where it was like a different form of gluttony. Mm -hmm. um, only in regards to like, I was like, I will crush this. I will move beyond this. And in the end, it was just, it was, a, it became this gluttony morphed into not a very good form of pride that just needed to be, why don't you just enjoy working out for the sake of working out? But that, but I think what I really needed that I think we both got to, that you helped me kind of unlock was a a time and a space to unpack this 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 change that i made to really look at it and reframe it 16 years later from someone who did something similar to what i did and i saw you go through that change yeah and, you literally did see it <laughs> yeah and, and I, I i i i don't know I, I don't remember saying anything explicitly to you but like it was it was so wonderful to watch you make your own choices because you wanted them and do it in your own way and, and I, I guess I'd always wish that I had that but then after like listening to your first podcast where you were going through a lot of the similar things that I was still going through so it that's what I think I really enjoyed was like it wasn't you just like nailing it in in, in the way that I saw you nailing it it was you working through it in in a really beautiful and thoughtful way that would allow you to be you and and then also affect the lives of so many other people that that need this kind of help both physically mentally and so they can better enjoy their lives well thank you for the kind words yeah i mean it's interesting because i think that people that were like very had a had a large degree of overweight or had obesity have a, an experience that's different. I don't necessarily, like, I don't know. 
I don't want to make a blanket statement, but I think that unless you've gone through it, sometimes it can be difficult to understand. Or, I mean, I know coaches in my industry, for example, that never went through but have worked with a lot of people and are very empathetic. And so they, they understand it. But, you know, it's not just like you lose the weight and you start exercising and then like life is, just goes on. Like there's oftentimes the reason why you gained the weight in the first place has to do with um, oftentimes with trauma with people. It's actually, there's quite a lot of research linking high levels of adverse childhood experiences, which is like a psychological measure of early childhood trauma, basically to people that have obesity. A lot of times, I mean, in your case, like you said, you were struggling to find your way in your family unit or how to express yourself. And so that food became comes a manifestation of that. Um, you know, for me, a big thing was like not having any idea how to manage my emotions and how to manage being a sensitive person and not feeling like I had any space for that. And like either finding an outlet in food or like getting so overwhelmed that like food basically becomes dissociative and lets you like turn the stuff off. And like dealing with those issues is not just a matter of like, oh, you go on a diet and you work out because like the issues oftentimes still remain when you lose the weight and then you have to figure out like how do I move forward in the world either addressing these or how do I make sure that like like in your case it sounds like to some extent you almost transferred the same issues into exercise and into health and fitness in like a less than mentally healthy way which I think is also what happens to a lot of people is they and that's partially what happened to me too is they start to exert like control and they get obsessive about food and exercise which also is not ideal so really like losing the weight and changing your eating habits is one thing but like if you really want to grow and like become a better person change the way you show up in the world how you feel about yourself like there's actually a lot more work that has to be done and that's why I'm such a big advocate of like people going to therapy if they can afford it or they have access to it or um, you know, reading books, like you can probably learn a lot on your own, but like, it's not so simple. And so, yeah, I, I think you saw, you know, for me sharing my own experiences that like resonated with you, but like, we're not alone. Like that is the experience I think of quite a lot of people that have struggled with their weight or struggled with food. So I want to talk a little bit more about this idea of like emotional growth and, and self-compassion. So I mentioned a little bit ago that I was going to talk about one of the books that I asked Callan to read. I don't remember if I've mentioned it on this podcast or not, but it's a book called Self-Compassion by a woman named Kristen Neff. Are you looking for it on your bookshelf? <laughs> for anyone's listening, Callan's looking to the side. Um, too many. <laughs> essentially, in the book, she makes an argument that like a lot of people, so I'll include myself in this, were either learned through example or explicitly told that like the way to change and get better is to be mean to yourself and berate yourself and shame yourself into change. And she, you know, is a researcher. It's not just like some person off the street. She's done a lot of research that shows that actually most people have a better time changing through self-compassion, which has three parts. The first part is mindfulness, which is since he's got it. Okay. Yeah, he's holding up the book now. It's <laughs> good. He found it. <laughs> well, I was like, is it on top of the, the mountain of books or is it like right in front of my yeah, He's got like shelf? a full bookshelf to his yeah. side. Um, yeah, I, I saw my Kindle, so I couldn't even, I'd have to like look it up. I don't have a paper copy. But essentially, so mindfulness is like sort of being aware of what's going on and aware of your self-talk. Uh, Self-kindness, which is exactly what it sounds like, not being a dick to yourself. <laughs> I mean, it goes further than that, of course. And then this idea of uh, common or shared humanity, which is like that everybody suffers and actually everybody has struggles despite what we see on social media or in the music world you might see like I know for me it's like I see people who are achieving at a really high level and I think like they have everything figured out their life is so great like I'm the only one struggling but in reality they have their own struggles and maybe they even have the same struggles as me we just don't see it so this idea that like you're never really alone so 
I yeah, after briefing the audience on that, I just love to hear with you, Callan, like what was your experience of like emotional growth of working through some of these issues and, and how did self-compassion specifically play a role in that? Uh, the self-compassion book was awesome in regards to the fact that I always found myself, or at least I've, I've always worked on myself to be a empathetic and compassionate person to others. And, and I love that. I love that side of me. Like I get, I get the coolest stories from people because I can listen and, and I've, I've learned how to listen and ask the right questions because there are just so many interesting lives out there. And, and the only way you can live many lives is by like understanding all of these different lives you see in front of you. But <laughs> on, on the opposite side of that coin, I was not very compassionate to myself. <laughs> only in regards to like that I was so busy kind of just being out in the world and like trying to take in all this information. That's kind of what I've always been is like, I never took myself into account because I was just so busy. I was so busy being interested in what else was happening because I don't know, maybe I didn't have enough confidence in, in myself at that point. I don't think it was really that only, I, but I think I was just so interested just by like the, the electricity that was a, that was always around me i just always found electricity everywhere it was just it was and and so with that there was just me i'm not sure if it was a dismissive nature um or if it was probably the other 10 thoughts going through my head at the same time you know, <laughs> but, you know? <laughs> and so but when when those things go away you know when that electricity kind of is you know on a dimmer switch and you're left with your own thoughts and your own and, and your own reasons for what you've done that day it was so interesting to see that most of it came from a almost like a drill sergeant and that's okay only because it, it got me to a certain place but at a certain but at a certain time like it's so important to uh, not maybe not rediscover i don't think rediscover is the right word but to like reframe your relationship with yourself mm-hmm because you've spent, you know, say 18 years growing up with your family and you have a certain level of discourse that you've had with them, both positive, negative, and neutral. Then at 18, you leave your house and then you go on that big adventure. You, you know, you leave the Shire and it's time to go. <laughs> and so you're around all of these people that are different from you and, and, and doing something that, that you love, hopefully, um, or you don't know yourself yet and you're still, but you're still out there. You're still in it. And you are, you are away from home. You're away from the normal. You're away from the nurture. And now you are in nature. And then you do that for a certain amount of time. And then you like have these two halves of yourself. Mm-hmm. You have the nature side of you and you have the, the nurture side of you. And you, you're almost left with, at least for me, it felt like I had a split personality. And, and they were coming at odds with each other. And so it's like, okay, this worked, this didn't work, this sucked, this was awful, but you know, but it worked for something. And so being able to like, take those two halves and figure out how you can then become whole after that was um, a big help with the self compassion book, because I was like, there's some things that you just had to do because you weren't a reader, you weren't a reader prior to this. And I know that for a fact, I didn't start reading until I was probably around 25. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and that's because I just, I was a slow reader. I wasn't a very good reader and, uh, my comprehension wasn't always the best because I would just start going into my own little world. And, um, but as soon as I was ready, you know, that 
the teacher manifested, you know, both in person and in written form. And that's what I think is a really wonderful impasse or, or, or bridge that we all have the opportunity to take. And, and even if you're not ready, you know, take it. Like, even if you're afraid or, or feeling fearful of it, take it because, you know, like, you will be better for it. You will be more compassionate because you will then you will have all these ideas of, of who you think you are. But as soon as your North Star changes, guess what? Every other star that may have, you know, given you lightness or darkness then has a way different vantage point. So a lot of the things that used to scare me stopped being so scary because I had not, you know, had that this 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 lack of compassion for myself and and the irrational fears that were put on me because I needed to preserve or or things that were told to me just because I needed to fit within society, which is equally a thing you have to do. So mm -hmm. it's just but but maintaining that relationship was just like my weight loss one. I you know I needed to like not be fighting to be less weight at a certain point you are not you're not losing weight anymore like you you you've done you've done it and you have mm -hmm. to respect that change and then and then live it so and and so what so going back to the self-compassion side you have to learn how to talk to yourself in a way that is constantly moving and constantly being reframed and so if you don't know <laughs> that you will be constantly moving good luck um you know <laughs> Uh, I, I recommend picking up any type of book, but two, but also being able <laughs> to, or, or, or a TV show. There's plenty of TV shows. I've been watching Dave recently. Have you seen that, uh, that little Dickie show? Uh, um, is that the one where he's like a, the vice president or something like that? No, no, oh, no, 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 no. That's, that's a movie called Dave. Oh, okay. Then no, yeah, I don't know yeah, the yeah. show. Like a guy who looks yeah. like the vice president. Yeah. No, this one's about like, it's like if Larry David were a, a 20 a, a something rapper. <laughs> oh okay <laughs> really great um sorry but it has nothing to do but if you don't if if you you have to be able to aim and if you and if you're not aiming at, at the things that you like and 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 being okay with the misses that you're going to have it's not going to end great you know so the only thing that you really have as a tool is this self-compassion to be able to talk to yourself to pump yourself up because you know what when we leave school, like I think that was another reason why I like joined up with you. I'm sorry, I'm talking way too much. It's no, you're like, good. This I, is about I, you. Like, Talk as much as you want. <laughs> I've always wanted a coach. You know, you see like all these famous sports people like walking around with coaches, and like, and then like you leave music school and they're like, "Good luck." Yeah. <laughs> After like you know giving you like wonderful soliloquies of like you know why Beethoven, Bach, and Brahms are like wonderful, which is just awesome I, I don't disrespect that whatsoever um i i live i live by it and but if at a certain point things are going to get thrown through a loop because you're working for other people you are you're not a product you are a service for the industry that you are being a part of and so if you have bigger questions inside of your head and bigger ideas and and um you need to be able to address them um, with a level of, of, of authenticity that your, your brain and your body need together. Yeah, that's a good point you make. I mean, this probably isn't true for everybody, but I feel like probably a lot of creative people and musicians are people that tend to be more naturally curious, and they probably 
again, not always, but a lot of them probably do thrive in that like kind of teacher student relationship or a learning environment, even if not a traditional learning environment. And so when you leave school, like that can be really jarring. I know for me, I mean, I was always a kid who liked school, like even before music. And when I was like out of school, one thing that really hit me hard was like, I miss like learning. I miss learning from people and I miss that like relationship that you build with a teacher that you're close with or that you really respect. And so actually it's it's interesting that you mentioned that as something that you were looking for. Cause for me, like that was something that sparked me to pursue further learning and coaching, including hiring my own personal trainers, which I've talked about a lot. And I worked with coaches for years, not that like, I couldn't do stuff on my own, but like there's always more to learn. There's always someone's experience that you can draw from and the relationship itself can be um, educational, informative, transformative, whatever. So yeah, I do think that like if you are a creative person and you're like, now what? (laughs) You know, or maybe you sort of don't really need further coaching on your instrument or your art or whatever, but like there's some other area of life that you're interested in, whether it's fitness or or creating something new or even like business skills like there's lots of coaches and groups and people that you can connect with and like that can be a really rewarding experience so it's interesting that you mentioned that because like i kind of feel the same way yeah you need you need these stories that that Mm -hmm. that everybody lives to like come in and fold in and like come in like an undulating wave to kind of take (laughs) what you know and to kind of really test it you know, and I think that's what school I loved about school, too. I, mm-hmm. I didn't love taking tests, but I didn't realize. <laughs> I mean, that. I won't say I love taking tests, but I love oh. most other things. I liked writing papers. So, you know, yeah. someone, those types of things I enjoyed. <laughs> but but you use but you use this this hive mind of of a collect of a collective to, like, take what you knew and, like, move it and, 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 re- and you could feel the energy of it. And and it was so important to have. You know, uh, that's why I love going to Northwestern. I, I, and I, I, I don't know if I mentioned this already. Like when you were talking about, like, I want to, you know, teach fitness and I will, uh, and that's a thing I want to do. And you did it in like a, a it was, it was for an, um, a studio class where we were, everyone had to give like an elevator pitch. Oh yeah. I forgot about this. Actually. I think you were the one who reminded me that I even did it. I couldn't even remember what I said, but yeah, the, one of the professors, I think it was Randy. Randy. Yeah. yeah, he was like, give an elevator pitch about something. And like, because I was already getting into fitness, I don't know if I was coaching at the time or just doing my own transformation, I gave some sort of elevator pitch about fitness. And apparently Callan remembered it. <laughs> it stuck with him more than it, it stuck with me. Awesome. <laughs> it was so great. <laughs> I wish I remembered what I said. I could use it now, maybe. <laughs> yeah, you were, you, you, were gave, you were just started like training other people. Okay, yeah, so yeah, it would have been my senior year then. Yeah. And, and I was talking about making scrappy stories with trombones and so yeah so, we're both doing like the same uh doing what yeah. we said in that elevator pitch that's pretty funny <laughs> and, like, that's a really, like that's a really rare thing for people mm-hmm. to like one come up with that big idea and then two manifest it over a what has it been 10 years probably 10 years yeah yeah 12 and, and no, just stick, 10 and just 10 stick with yeah. it. and just stick with it you know a lot of people get bored with like the minutia of like what you don't get out of doing something on your own. And so it's so important that people that do have that in, 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 in them to figure out how to do it. And I think kind of going back to the schooling thing, that's what made schooling so great and or, or, and pursuing higher ed so great because you had people that were kind of looking for that same truth and you could curate that, that truth. 
you know, and, and I thought that was really, that was really special to be a part of. Um, and, and how, and how do you keep up with that across the years? Cause you also watch people that may have that same thing and you watch that, you know, almost diminuendo down to the ground and they just kind of, you know, stick with the tried and true, I, you know, this is my life now, as opposed mm -hmm. to what it could be. Um, and that's, uh, you know, I think that's what makes a good story is, is hope and, and and allows you to keep striving to do something for you is not just a hope for for yourself, hope for, you know, your 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 localized community and and uh, for your family and your friends and being able to but really making sure that you can show up for yourself is something that I think I really struggled with. I think I don't think that's just good. It's just, just for me. But I'm so happy I did it in especially in this setting because it opened up so many doors for me to be more emotionally available, far more compassionate with myself and others. Because if you are more compassionate with yourself, guess what? That bandwidth equally operates the opposite way too. Mm -hmm. And so not that I, you know, it, it was just, there were bounds that I just didn't, and, and ranges that I didn't know existed. But so you have to go inward to be able to see it outward. This is a good segue. So and you've kind of already talked about this, but I'll ask it a little bit more specifically. So we worked together for six months. As people can probably tell, we had a lot of like deep conversations. Of course, <laughs> Callum was also working out. He has a home gym. He had barbells. Like it's not that we were only on the phone. Like he was actually putting in the work and he was, uh, you know, dealing with his self-talk around himself, around food, around exercise. He was, we talked about actual things that he was eating. So there were a lot of things that we talked about, but you know, what were some of your biggest takeaways from the experience and how, because I know that you've said that it's actually affected your broader life and the way that you show up and how you think about what you want. And I know that in the time since we worked together, you made some big professional changes that we had even talked about together that were scary at the time. So I just love to hear maybe some like broader takeaways, how the, the coaching experience affected you. What are some of the things that were most, most impactful? I guess takeaways that I still do. I and I do rucking. Yeah, awesome. I love it. <laughs> um, I ruck for probably about two to three hours, um, going straight uphill. And every every yeah, day or every week? Pretty, uh, pretty maybe five days a week. Okay, that's impressive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you've got and real hills too where you live. I don't have a single yeah, hill like yeah, anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then that's all. That's like the like the preamble for me to then go work out. Because when I go walk straight up a hill, like I have to go through this like marine layer of stuff that, that I need <laughs> sure. to address, or or it's just like, and, and I can equally do it while lifting. But it's just, I like it's it's nice to be able to walk around and be present before you just like go and go and destroy some le deadlifts and like you know, <laughs> and go and go through your circuit of stuff. And then the stretching, I sit a lot. You know, I was driving a lot at one point. I was driving a lot more. Um, and so I was getting like really tight, like hammies and like mm -hmm. my body just felt like garbage. And, and, and then I was, you know, when I was working at Disneyland, like I was running around, you know, like a <laughs> in my white polyesters with my little feather duster on top of my head. I think and the average person probably doesn't appreciate how active, um, your trombone playing stuff actually was, totally. <laughs> was yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah it's very yeah, active. Yeah. And, and then like, you know, like when you're like marching in a parade when it's like 114 degrees outside, yeah. and then, like <laughs> a mini mouse that can't walk in a straight line. It's like, how do you not know what a march is? It's straight. 
stop turning around. And like, you're in front, you're like, okay, you, <laughs> you will get probed. And you know what? Your copay will not, <laughs> will not handle this. <laughs> you know? So there was also just like a lot of, uh, kind of pulled punches because like the, you were sharing space with people. So like mm-hmm. you needed to like have a lot of restoratives. It's like a lot. Of, I think I, I came at you real hard with a lot of the stretching too. It's like, well, how many stretches do you got? What are... <laughs> yeah, we did a lot of stretching for sure. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I use so there's so many um, stretches like the, uh, the, the figure four one, like that guy mm-hmm. um, that I, I love. Uh, I, I'm horrible with all the names, but I, I use so I use them. You can all demo the them if you yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> said no one ever. <laughs> like, please sit. <laughs> it's confusing too because like um a lot of them have multiple names that like different coaches will use or that mm-hmm. one might come from yoga or somewhere and they call it something different. So mm-hmm. eh, the names names aren't as important Word. as knowing but how to I do al- them and use them. <laughs> Word. But I also love that you would always make me like a playlist of like all these stretches and like all the workout stuff. So I could really like look look at it and like really see it and like and, and watching an expert do it you know like I think that's very you know I think that's what I enjoyed most is mostly because I think we connected from from what we learned in Northwestern where you would have somebody demonstrate you know I remember when Mulcahy would behind you and he'd brainwash you he's like I will brainwash you now <laughs> and you will play perfectly and it worked it was totally that and it was just like understanding how to truly focus on what you what the goal was not what the expectation on the on the back end was and so by hat and, and and then being able to talk to you about that and to be able to send you videos and be like oh you know we need a little bit more of this because your your body's weird and <laughs> and banana sandwich you know like it, it was really nice to have you know another set of eyes uh take a look at something you curated based off of what I needed and not just what I wanted it's what I needed and that's what I think is so important about all of it is making sure that you're balancing your wants and your needs well you can't you can't dictate your needs you know what a need what (laughs) what my needs are based off of like taking a look at those videos like oh your hips are a little tighter spend a little more time doing this and so like that's what that's the type of um I know we haven't worked out we haven't worked out together in about a year but that's something I I learned in especially from going back to the self-compassion thing is how can I talk to myself like you talked to me when I was going through this? And that's, I think that's probably the biggest takeaway that you get is like leaving school as a musician, but also I think probably what your hopes and dreams are for your clients is to make sure that like, you can do this on your own. Like you are, you are, you are, you are creative enough and you can be strong enough if you adopt these uh, mindsets and these and these moves in order for you to op- to to optimally uh, perform. Yeah, I mean, I I think I've talked about this before, but I'm my coaching is very guided by self determination theory, which is like a psychological concept about motivation, which says that in order for people to develop like intrinsic motivation, so basically you're not motivated necessarily by money or even the way you look. It's more about like the process and how you feel and what you get out of it. Like there are three things that you need. One of them is um, relatedness. So in the coaching experience, you know, you and I had such a great connection. So you get that. Um, But then more to what to your point, another one um, is autonomy. And so when I'm coaching people, like I want them ultimately not to need me anymore. Now I have 
I do work with some people for a really long time. They come back because they like me, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, but they could, you know, I, I, <laughs> I know that they could work out on their own. And so like a big part of the way I try to, to coach people is giving you like the confidence, like you can do these things on your own. You can make decisions about what you need. You have, you know, you have more knowledge, right? Maybe you have more stretches or whatever that you can go to, but like, you know, okay, on this day, like I'm feeling this and I can make a decision about what I need. And so of hearing you say that makes me feel good because that is really should be the goal of any any coach or teacher and it's the same in music school like um mulcahy professor mulcahy didn't want us to like need him forever right he wants you like to he wants to give you his concept of sound his concept of musicality and and you know you take from that what you need but then you go out and you're your own artist and you're your own, your own musician you're not like calling him every day <laughs> i mean i yeah. guess you, you probably could do that but you know it's it's that sense of of, of learning from someone but then learning then how to make decisions and take action on your own and like kind of make your own way in the world like that's such a that's really really powerful stuff speaking professor Mulcahy, have like a dial-up service where he has like <laughs> affirmation he would be <laughs> yeah i mean are you in the facebook group chat the northwestern trombone one no, no, I don't have Facebook. Okay, the, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't think so. There's like a Facebook group chat that he started that like quite a few alum are in and he, he'll send like motivational things and like links and stuff in there. So I guess that's about as close as it gets. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, I when I talk with professional musicians and artists, I always like to ask people if and how they think being in shape, taking care of their fitness and their overall health has impacted them as a musician, as a creative person. Like, do you see any direct, and it doesn't have to be physical. Like a lot of times people have given me mental answers or something that's more psychological, but do you see any connection between, you know, even all the way back to when you first lost weight, but more recently, the things you've been doing with fitness, nutrition, and your ability to succeed in your career and make the music and the art that you want to make? Yeah, um, actually, <laughs> That's a little Mulcahy story that <laughs> pops up in my head. He was like, Kevin, you have all the bells and whistles. He was like, but you must, you must be more ravenous. <laughs> you must be, you know, like, like you're looking for chocolate. And then he's like running around his office, like moving things around. It's like, is there chocolate? Is there chocolate? Is there chocolate? And I was like, you know what? I have been in a part of my life where maybe it wasn't chocolate, it was salami. But <laughs> I was like, why wasn't I not feeling this way? You know? And like that, it was kind of crazy only in regards to the fact that I was so emotional about all, all of this. And so when I was able to like strip away this emotion to sound, and just be present in the action of making sound, I was able to clearly get what I needed. Same with working out. Like as soon as I was able to take away this emotion that was behind it, whether it was good or bad, you know, like, it, uh, like oh, I'm really excited to work out today or like, I'm working out today, you know, like both sides of those coins really didn't need to be there. Like, mm -hmm. and so it was, for me, it was just, it was just nice to strip away these things that were complicating things that didn't need to be complicated. Working out is not complicated only in regards to if you want it to be. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and it was, and, and, and if you, if you're pretty good at like, you know, causing forest fires, you know, like <laughs> present, uh, <laughs> at least inside my head. Um, it was, it was so helpful to, actually just <laughs> light that on fire 
you know, and and take away the emotion. Like, fine, you like you want a fire? Here we go. Here comes the emotion, and it would, it would man, it would go off like a Molotov cocktail. Um, so it was really helpful to strip away these things that weren't serving me, so I could finally actually serve myself. And and that I think was such a a, a wonderful takeaway that has impacted me so wonderfully and beautifully because I can finally listen, I can listen to myself with compassion and I can talk to myself with compassion and I can, and, and I can listen to my body with compassion and I can actually understand what it's asking me to do as opposed to like, Oh, I don't like that ache and pain or, you know, or, or, or I'm feeling this certain way. Cause in the end, I, I think what I think what your program does for people is it allows people to value their relationship between their body and their mind in their own way. And when you have that, you're indestructible and only in regards to the fact that if you need something, you can go get it. You will be a go-getter because you have all the tools at your disposal and, 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 and the people that can help you get there. And so correct me if I'm wrong too. It's not that like you don't have any emotions now. <laughs> it's oh, yeah, more yeah, yeah. it's more that like um first of all like in in instances where you might have once had a heated emotional response to something you're able to create some space to say like okay what's really going on what do i really need and what do i want to how do i want to respond. And then also like to go back to your pie chart analogy it's that like you're not um, like quote unquote wasting a bunch of emotional energy on stuff that doesn't need it and you're able then to save it for things that are more important to you and allow you to um, that require like greater emotional depths of creativity so it's like a conservation and like creating space and also like a redirecting of resources to where they're actually warranted like because you want to be you probably want to put some emotion into the the show and into your playing and not so much into like, am I going to do this workout or like, what am I going to eat for dinner? <laughs> yeah. And, and I think I, I, I didn't kill all the emotions. I think I was just hyper emotional. Yeah. Like, and, and I think that's like, and actually what, like what I really wanted to get a deeper understanding of through our time together. It's like, why was I, I was just, I was always so interested and why I was fat, like growing up, like I was just, I just, I had to know why, like, mm -hmm. it was, and, and I think like being heard and being seen and having a, a certain level of anxiety that kind of helped, you know, like inside my head were, were the things that I may have felt at that time, but you know, at the end of the story, what really was it? And I would think it was like my first opportunity to show that you can change. You don't have to be stuck with what you are in real time. Mm -hmm. Change is possible. Change with yourself is possible. And, um, and so taking away this hyper emotional um, construct was just kind of, I think, how I'm wired. And, 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 and being able you be okay with that and um and make sure that it doesn't rule you and you can actually so you can actually work with it and and have a fruitful relationship with yourself you can't have a fru fruitful relationship with another at least I, I don't think so unless you have a fruitful connection with yourself yeah 
powerful stuff. So um, we have just a few minutes left in the episode. So I do want to, ha- <laughs> I'm going to have you promote me for a second here. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, so, yeah, um, but no, what I want to, what I actually want to ask you is like, what would, what would you say to someone who is considering coaching, but is on the fence for whatever reason? Like, I guess you could maybe share, um, I mean, well, I don't know. I'll just let you answer the question, but I know maybe when you were ready to, to do coaching, you were all about it, but like, you probably could understand why someone might be hesitant or maybe in the past you considered it and you were a little hesitant. So like, what would you, what would you say to someone in that situation based on your own experience? I got a few things. Like if you're on the fence, like, and, <laughs> and, and you're thinking about change, all change is change for the better. So jump in. So there's no, there's no need to be fearful about it. Just jump in, you know, you'll, you'll be better for it. And then, you know, like if your brain is full of big ideas that you need to do and you need to like put out and manifest in the world, you better build your body up too, because you, you need both. You can't, you can't make big ideas if your body is like, you know, just like, about to implode on the floor. And so you really, (laughs) so like balancing these two, you know, balancing your brain and your body are just so important and and making sure that you do it for you. And so having, and that's why I, 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 we originally signed up for three months. That's why I went to six months. I was like, I'm not done yet. (laughs) I'm like, I think there's something more. And like, I, I need more of this. I need more of this. And so, it just once again, it just shows you how all changes change for the better. Like I just signed up for three months, but I was like, I need, I need more, you know, and that's awesome. And like on top of it, like what I think, I think we, you know, I, I may have not talked about like maybe about the goal setting, but there was a lot of goal setting in here. But like I think I really needed to, you know, um, I needed to be able to see the difference between the forest and the trees. I'd gone through a lot of different diets and you know, and, and workout routines and like, you know, like I didn't want to like have this weird or uninformed or inauthentic version of this, uh, of this life where I was just eating livers, you know, for every meal, you know, (laughs) or going on the carnivore diet, you know, like, I don't know. Um, but you know, all, you know, the best lives, at least that from the people I've met are personal. And so it's making sure that you choose the right fight. So that's why I was talking about aiming wisely because like, you're going to see fights all over town. I think there's like a really funny, like Irish axiom is like, Oh, it's, can anyone join this fight? <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, yeah, you can. And so like, but, and so it's important that if you're going to join a fight, make sure you know what fight you're getting into. And like, and I think I was very, I think that was probably one of the things I was very clear with you about, <laughs> like we've done a lot of, we've been, we're very similar in a lot of these in, in, in our, in our stories with health and fitness and mind. And, um, I just wanted to run a few things by you. So if, 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 if you're looking for any of those three things like change or, you know, big ideas or just be more personal with yourself, this is the place to do it with, I think one of the most delightful and compassionate and thoughtful um and and just there there for you you know it's so hard to find someone that's there for you especially in in the fitness industry you know yeah. like 
unfortunately. <laughs> or in any industry, to tell you the truth. But, like, if you want someone that actually cares about you and, like, and will constantly search to make you feel, like, more you as you are making your own changes, <laughs> Caroline Jester is the one for you. Oh, well, thank you, Callan. I appreciate it. And you are a joy to work with. Um, I mean, so to anyone listening, I certainly don't always, some people don't want to go this deep. They're just like, give me workouts, give me yeah, yeah. food habits. And that's, that's an option too. But I, I do really enjoy the <laughs> the opportunity to, uh, to go, to go deeper, um, especially with we're someone who's like, mess, that's Callan. <laughs> oh, I, I wouldn't say that, but and, you know, to the extent that we're all a hot mess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, you said a lot of stuff obviously I agree with everything you said actually but I something we didn't really talk about yet today that you mentioned that I'll just highlight for people at the end here is like you know you need your body to be functioning at least okay <laughs> like, it can't, like you said it can't be imploding into the floor if you want to like be doing good work in the world now there's certainly things that are outside of our control but if you have been blessed not to currently be living with a disability or chronic illness or things like that 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 can really impact your life like you actually have a good amount of control over how you feel on a daily basis and it doesn't require you to be like absolutely shredded or lifting 600 pounds or running marathons like even if you're taking what are probably pretty simple actions that I would venture most people can take with some effort with some planning like you can totally transform how you feel and then you can show up and like Helen said you can go after your big dreams and like that's a big reason why I specifically like working with creative people because I you can see right the when you don't feel like shit, like you, <laughs> you do better work, like you have more capacity and you can really see that even with, I would say even just a few months of consistent effort of small action. So that's, that's just something I wanted to highlight. So Callan, anything else that you wanted to say that I didn't ask you about or anything, any last messages or thoughts for the listeners? No. I just okay, so, cool. I, I, <laughs> we covered just, it all. Yeah. I'm just so grateful for the knowledge you shared with me and, and, and the time you shared with me only in regards to the fact that there's just so much information out there. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's so hard to actually find something that's, that, that, that could be, that can be based in your truth. And so I guess that's my final pitch for you. It's just like <laughs> you, you help people find the truth that they need in, 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 in a very important part of, living which is respecting your body yeah before my grandparents passed away like my grandfather was a professional boxer and like he was 91 but his you know he had really bad dementia but his body was like bam like emma <laughs> her, like her body wasn't like at tip-top shape but her brain was there and mm. so taking care of them before they passed away was such an interesting um scenario to be in and only in regards to the fact that you only have one brain and you only have one body. So knowing how to take care of both of them across time is, is the best kind of relationship you can have with this giant meat rocket that we live in. <laughs> um, <and> so, <laughs> so it's, it's great to have someone that can help you find that truth based off of how you feel, how you think, and so you can mash them both together and have a really fruitful relationship with yourself and then outside of it as well. Awesome. I dig it and I agree. Well, thank you, Callan. It's always a joy to talk to you. And this was a really fun conversation to revisit some of our like coaching talks and also to hear, you know, what you've been doing since then. Um, but yeah, it's a it was a pleasure to work with you. It's a pleasure to be your friend. And uh, thank you so much for coming on the show.
Oh, man. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. <laughs> All right. To everybody listening, thanks, and I will see you on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Building Stronger Creatives. If something you heard resonated with you, I would love for you to share this episode with someone else who might enjoy it. I also always appreciate comments, ratings, and reviews. These things help me get the word out to other creatives who could benefit from this type of information. See you back on the next episode. Until then, stay curious, stay passionate, and stay strong.